You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 145 with Dr. Kathy Cook. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys. So today we are going to do week two of the replays of some of my favorite episodes about parenting. So today we are going to talk about screen time. And Dr. Kathy Cook wrote a book um, called Screens and Teens. But we're not going to just be talking about teenagers. We are going to be talking about younger kids too. So if you know moms that are having a hard time because it's summertime and they're just like, I don't know how to keep them off the screens. I don't know what to do to keep them busy. Make sure to share this episode with them. And if you missed last week, we're talking about birds and bees. So I'm loading you guys up with all these fun, you know, topics to um, tackle all during the summer. Uh, But one thing that I really liked about Kathy when she was on last time is just talking about how we can can connect again with our kids in a wireless world. And I think that is so key. And she just has some good tips for us. So I hope it inspires you to just think a little bit more on how to navigate the whole screen time world. And I totally get it. Like, I mean, my kids watch TV, they like Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm not here to say like you should never have it, but I just think it's good to hear a different perspective. And so I hope you guys really enjoy this show. Hey, you guys, before we jump in the show, I want to give you guys an update on my whole weight loss journey. If you've been listening to the shows for the past month or two, I had uh, an update um, with using Lean with Amanda Nybert. And I'm trying to do that every month to two months because not everybody listens to every episode. And um, I'm going to actually do several episodes on my whole weight loss journey, I think in the fall. But until then, I'm just trying to use the intro to just kind of give people some updates and stuff like that. Because I know when I was trying to figure out what was the best thing that I needed to do for myself, I wanted to hear what other people were doing if they were successful at it. And so if this is you... I want you just to know kind of my journey. And if you guys don't need to lose weight, if you're someone who's like, I don't, I don't need this and whatever, kudos to you. But think about somebody that you might know that who's struggling and maybe they can't get that weight off from having their second, third, fourth kid, whatever it is. And they just don't feel like themselves. So please think about that when you're hearing me talk, if you don't need to lose weight and all that kind of stuff, because I know that's not everyone's struggle. Um, so I kind of just want to do a little bit of an update. People have been coming up to me because they are starting to notice that I'm smaller and all that kind of stuff and just asking where it started. And um, honestly, it all started with Amanda Nybert's lean program. And so I did an episode with her. I did a series. It started with episode 112. Make sure to go listen to the series because she goes through everything in detail on how the program works, why it works and all that stuff. She does a great job of doing that more than I could even tell you right now in this short amount of time. What's even better is Amanda gives Mom Inspired Show listeners an exclusive discount of $20 off where you cannot find anywhere. So you can only find it here. And if you have already done the program and you want to do it again, there is a repeat client discount of $10 off. So make sure to use those. And so those discounts, what they are is mominspiredshow.com forward slash lean, L-E-A-N, 20, two zero or mominspiredshow.com forward slash lean, L-E-A-N, 10. And so make sure to use that. But you can go to episode 112. All the stuff is in the show notes, if you forget what I just said, and you can find the discount links there. But what I wanted to tell you guys, so 
I had two friends come to me talking to me about what I've been up to. And they did one of Amanda's sessions. She generally does two a month for seven weeks. It's an online program. And they just finished. And one of them almost lost 10 pounds. And another lost, I think, eight pounds. So just to give you an idea of what different women are losing. And um, and they felt great. And one of my friends, she just absolutely loved it. And she was really struggling trying to get the weight off. And she was doing burn. I do burn. It's a boot camp, And she was just working her butt off. And she couldn't get the weight down. And I was like, hey, you should probably try lean and see if that helps. Because a lot of people think that they can work out and not change their eating and lose weight, which is completely false, especially the older you get. You really have to like hone in your food and working out is great, but sometimes working out makes you hungry and then you got to really like wrap your mind around that whole thing. So I was so excited to see that she finally lost weight and had success with that using lean. So I wanted to just share that with you guys. And if you guys are kind of like, I know what I really need to do and blah, 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 and you just don't do it. Well, this is a great accountability. Like you have to post like your macros and all that stuff every day on, um, on the app and stuff like that, that she provides you. And if this is all new to you and you're kind of like, I have no idea, this is amazing because it gives you just a total new way of thinking about things, gives you new tools. And then when you're done, you can kind of make it your own or you can do a repeat session and stuff like that. So I just wanted to let you guys know about this program because I really like it. And it started off my whole journey back in January of where I am today. And so I just wanted to share that with you. I didn't want to hold it to myself. I wanted you guys to know what I've been up to. And if you have friends, make sure to share this episode with them and make sure to have them check out episode 112 and they can hear everything that she has to say. And then all the links will be in the show notes. So if you guys are hesitant and you feel like you want to ask me a question, do not feel like scared to reach out to me. Okay. I'm a normal person. If you want to ask me some questions about the program, you can find me on Facebook at Amber Sandberg, Instagram, I'm Amber Sandberg, or if you're on my email list, you can email me. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I would love to help you. I feel so much better now. I feel more like myself. It just feels so good. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm like finally getting back to the Amber that I used to know. And I know there's moms out there listening to this feeling the same exact way. So I am speaking to you. So anyways, I just wanted to share that with you and I can't wait to do a few episodes in the fall and then you'll get you'll get a lot more detail and stuff like that. But I just wanted to give you guys some info until that point just so that it can help you out if you need it. All right, let's go to the show. Dr. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I am happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, of course. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. What is your favorite vacation spot that you've gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Well, wow. Um, Prague, Czech Republic. It, it is a beautiful place. It is known as the city of steeples. So everywhere you look, there are steeples. Um, and the castle is in downtown Prague. In most Eastern European, Western European cities, Castles are on the outskirts because they were built to really protect the city. And they're beautiful in their own right. But in this particular city, it's on the St. Charles River, right downtown. Um, there's just, it's a beautiful city. It's really easy for Americans. A lot of English is spoken there. Highly recommend Prague, Czech Republic. So much fun. 
Yeah, you know, I've heard that. And and so I feel like that will be on my list for some day. Um, I've had people go during Christmas and say it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. When did you go? Actually, I would have been there in the spring uh, many years ago. I've done a lot of work overseas with North American missionaries, and that's why I was there. And uh, yeah, I've heard too, it's Christmas. They have a beautiful market like, yeah. like a lot of, you know, cities do. And and it's just, um, you know, I think I wish every American would get over the ocean. It really changes us. Yes. It help, you know, it helps us understand that we're not the only nation that gets things right and all those <laughs> things. The other, if I can have a second destination yes, city, just, sure. um, you know, I dare you to stop me, right? Um, <laughs> I would recommend uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand oh. uh, for families. It's about an hour and a half flight north of Bangkok. It's very inexpensive and it's very safe to be in Thailand. Chiang Mai is a um, hotbed of Christianity. There's a lot of Christian ministries that are based in Chiang Mai, and then the fathers fly from there into Laos and Cambodia and Vietnam and China. And um, very easy American city, great tourism, fabulous markets, really good food. You can tour um, unusual places, ride elephants. It's just Chiang Mai, Thailand. I'd highly recommend that for your family as well. Um, How do you spell Chiang Mai? I think it's C-H-I-A-N-G, and then it's M-A-I is the second. Okay, yeah, because I was yeah. trying to picture that in my head. Well, I'm I'm a newly tra- uh, travel agent, and I specialize in family travel, and so yeah. I, I really love uh, travel. So when now listening to people, I'm like, okay, I need to put these places, you know, in my notes so that when people want to start thinking about different trips, kind of like what you're saying, right? Getting out there, then I have all these great places to recommend others. So that is perfect. And uh, I appreciate you giving me two options. I I can obviously talk about travel the whole time, but um, (laughs) we'll move on. And um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? So your name, where you're from, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Thanks. My name is Kathy Cook. It's spelled K-O-C-H. So I used to teach second graders. It was a great spelling lesson about how the rules don't work. Uh, So that's one reason I go by Dr. Kathy. It's just easier. Um, My ministry is Celebrate Kids. I'm based in Fort Worth, Texas. We are 26 years old in the ministry. I'm a former uh, teacher, school board member, coach, university professor. Did all of those things thinking I would do them forever, quite frankly. And God moved me beyond the university classroom uh, to this ministry predominantly so I could minister to parents. And what's really fun is that I don't have kids of my own. I'm actually not married. I'm not a mom. I have a ministry called Celebrate Kids. I quit a university professor job that I was tenured for to do this, all because of the scripture's instruction that a parent will always be a child's first and most important teacher. And it dawned on me Uh, Amber, that, you know, as moms and dads, you guys are trained to, you know, give birth, diaper feed and bathe a kid and then they send you home. Yeah, right, right. And and I was like, wow. And I thought at the time, there's no way I can speak into this. I'm not a mom. But God showed me very clearly that he will equip his people uh, to fulfill their call in unique ways. You know, my my kind of joke line is that Jesus was not married and he wasn't a dad and he had a lot of wisdom for moms, dads and husbands and wives. So um, I'm really, really grateful. I get to do what I do uniquely because I'm not married. I'm not a mom. I can travel, you know, much more freely than a lot of people in the ministry. And I'm very objective when it comes to kids because I don't have any. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your seven-year-old because I've not raised any. But I will be able to help you with, you know, an objective look at what's what's a best practice for children. And 
So really honored and really, really pleased that you would want me on your show so we can help uh, even more moms and dads. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. When I when I got your book, I, I thought this is what parents need to hear more about. But also, you were featured in a film called Engage that Kirk Cameron hosted. Um, and then you helped navigate parenting in social media stuff, right? Is that correct? <laughs> the movie is called Connect. Oh, Connect. It's not Engage. <clears throat> right. Uh, did engage, I get that confused? Yeah. Engage okay. is his... Um, oh, engage is his, Yeah. Engage is his online... Um, five-week class that people can oh, still go yes, for. Yes. Excellent. Where we use film film from the movie, but then there's um, other interviews and discussion guides and really, really good stuff that's engaged. The movie Connects, it will be out on DVD June 5th. Perfect. And is absolutely designed to help uh, parents predominantly, but grandparents and others as well, um, understand how to parent in this social media day. I was really honored to be in it. And yeah, my book was featured in the movie. So appreciate it. Kirk and his his people are just great. Yeah. So you wrote the book, Screens and Teens. How about you share with us how all this came to be? You know, the way it happened was observing in our culture and talking to many, many parents who said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You know, this last kid is so much harder than my first kid. And, you know, we're doing the very best we know how to do and, you know, discipline and parenting and boundaries and our kids are still complaining, argumentative, Never, nothing's ever good enough. What have we done wrong? And it dawned on me from just observing and interviewing that they weren't really doing anything wrong per se. They had given their kid a phone. And, you know, technology changes us in ways none of us expected to be changed, right? And so I wanted to really, you know, help the parents understand, hey, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything horribly wrong when you chose to allow your kids on technology. But now let's look at what it's doing to change the child's mind and heart and Amber, I think most adults, if we're honest, we would admit that we've been changed. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I say, for instance, just very simply, how many of us are more impatient than we used to be? And, you know, almost every parent raises their hand in my audiences because of the click of the mouse and the DVR and the GPS and the streaming and the Siri on the phone. Everything is instant. And so it's it's changed our heart. And we're we're developed, right? We're older, much less these kids whose hearts and minds frankly, are still being, you know, developed by the parenting they receive. And so that's really where my energy came from, is trying to help moms, dads, teachers, pastors, and others understand why are kids different and, and really what can we do about it? Technology is here to stay. I'm pro-technology, but what do we do about it now that it's here? Yeah, you know, I feel like there's um, also with the generation before us, um, the the baby boomers, I feel like they look at us as parents and, and I feel like they're kind of like, you know, we do things differently, right? But also they didn't have all the distractions that we have today as parents. Like, you know, just, just, I was just talking to a friend and, and she was talking about how she was trying to pay for her insurance online. Well, it didn't accept it. And so she didn't know it, it lapsed. And when she called, she said, well, I, I, I attempted. And she's like, Oh yeah, we could see that you attempted. And she's like, so you didn't think to call to say, and so she would have lost that for the whole year. And so all these things that where technology is great, it also then creates so much work. I mean, sometimes I really wonder like, how do, how are people even, getting any of this stuff done. I mean, my husband's pretty techie and there's sometimes we're just like, I don't even know how people are even doing all the stuff to keep up. And then it just eats up your time. Right. And then you look and two hours has gone by and you're, you're like, what did we even just do? I don't even know because none of the stuff is physical. So you can't really see what's going on. Um, but I did want to, so I do understand what you're saying that we all are getting af- affected by it. Both, 
positively and negatively, right? And so um, you wrote that parents and teens are both affected by the influence of screens, uh, a screen-saturated live, um, but young people experience the effects with ferocious intensity. Um, Can you dive into this a little bit more? Sure, thanks. Um, Partly that's because our brains are not finished until we're 25 years old. A lot of people don't know it's a miraculous thing. You know, God was generous when he gave us our brains. We have 100 million neurons, which are the connection, excuse me, the communication uh, points within the brain. And only 20% of those connections are hardwired when we are conceived. And that's why all children, unless there's a physical issue, will roll over, creep, crawl, and walk. All of us will learn language because we're hardwired for certain things. But 80% of the connections in the brain um, are created through the developmental years. What we allow our kids to do and what we do often creates more of a hard wiring even after we're born. And so that's why, you know, if you were a kid, uh, here's a simple example. I did jigsaw puzzles as a child with my family. Um, It was a very common occurrence in our home. My brother and I today still do jigsaw puzzles. It's a stress reliever for us when we're together as an extended family. We always have a jigsaw puzzle up. We love to sit around and talk while we're looking for the right piece in the corner. And, uh, and that's because when we were kids, our brain was developed to enjoy that experience. And so what you do in your developmental years matters. Kids who are being raised by technology, more so than even by their parents, are going to have a brain very different from the brain of their parents, grandparents, and even some members of the peer group. And that's why I would say it's ferocious. That's why it's controlling. And that's why boundaries are essential so that our kids have more of an eclectic upbringing and they're not just in front of their screen all day. I mean, mind blown because it it just is concerning. Like, I'm just even thinking about my daughters, right? So even we like to play dominoes and, um, but they do, they do watch TV. I've held off on really letting, so they're four and seven, so they're still young, but, uh, and letting them have the iPad a lot and playing video games. We've, we've held back on that. Um, and I'm going to touch, um, I'm going to touch a point on this at the very end with the littler kids. Um, but I just think to myself, so even if I try to do that, their spouses, right? Their husbands could have grown up in video games. And so they're going to have to deal with that merging in together as a couple that if they grew up all on video games, and then even if if I try to help my daughters not get so addicted to that stuff, then how is that going to look? So that's kind of scary. You're just like, oh my gosh. So, (laughs) you know, like, are they going to, I'm just like, Fast forwarding, thinking, oh, this is going to be a new thing to even add into merging of families, right? There's already the differences of how you're raised, and then we're just adding Mm -hmm. this level of of stuff to it. So um, you wrote in the book that many teens have FOMO, so fear of missing out is what that stands for. Um, How can parents, though, help them to not feel this way? Yes. Um, real relationships, right? You know, inviting kids over, good old fashioned, who do you want to invite over for dinner tomorrow? And who do you want to take to the park with us on Saturday? And so, um, you know, a little bit of it is certainly letting them have appropriate social media if they're at the right age. And, you know, a little bit of texting isn't going to hurt anybody. So uh, respecting that they're relationally driven and they do need to stay connected. I mean, respect that rather than constantly being negative about it, understand that this is who they are. So giving them opportunities to have an appropriate level, um, making sure that, you know, you're on their devices with them, that you're a friend on their social media sites. Of course, those kinds of things are are basic understandings, I think. But then in addition to that, 
good old fashioned face to face interactions and and making sure that there's a no phone rule in your house. You bring a friend over, you're not going to text other people while you're in the room together. Find something else to do that's more honoring toward who you are. That's what I was thinking, because, you know, you see so many kids together and they're all on the phone, even though there's a bunch of them. So. So what is your thoughts with that? Are you are you are you um, saying that when a, a child comes over, you're asking them to set their phone aside? Like, how what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You oh, know, you that are. Be, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be my definite preference would be there's a basket by the front door and the phone goes in there. Because why did you come over, you know, to experience a real person, I hope, you know, maybe to play a board game, maybe to, you know, toss a ball, maybe to just eyeball to eyeball, have a conversation about stuff of life and what your future holds. And we don't need to have all that hijacked by what other people are doing outside of our home. We can live. In fact, one of the best ways to help kids, you know, overcome their fear of missing out is to show them that in one day, not all that much happened outside of the living room that you needed to know about. In other words, you know, let's not check social media. And then, you know, six hours later, let's go to Instagram or let's go to whatever. And let's see how many how many times were you tagged where it was desperate that you didn't immediately acknowledge it. And let them find out that, that it's okay. And if they... Now, some of them have never experienced, Amber, what you and I know, which is the blessing of a real relationship. Mm. So they don't, you know, when you don't know what you don't know, right? Not, you're not really motivated to work hard to get it. So we as adults need to role model for them what is what is healthy and best and fun and delightful and encouraging. You know, as believers, you know, iron sharpens iron. And that's a real person with a real person. And, you know, the one another's of the New Testament love one another. And how do you honor one another? Oh, I don't think it's honoring to be in the presence of someone and ignore them. Uh, and, and that's what we have to stand up for and, and teach our kids, not just tell them and yell at them, but teach them the benefit of, you know, real relationships. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I do feel like that's a good challenge for the parents that are at that age, uh, that have the kids at the age that have the phones, which then leads me to ask you, any thoughts on when kids should be having phones? Should they have the smartphones? Should they have the flip phones? And when do they get a social media account if they can control it that the kids are not sneaking behind their backs to do it? Um, any thoughts on all of that? Because I know that this is a common question on Facebook with the parents asking. Luckily, I'm not there yet. So I'm just curious mm-hmm. um, from like a psychology standpoint, like what what do you think about that? And, and when are these things, I guess, good to start bringing into their lives? Sure, I'd be happy to answer that. And let me, ju- if you don't mind, let me say that in in the book I've written, you know, my passion was to help people understand the effects of technology on a child's behavior and and character and decision making. And so, my book doesn't deal a whole lot with um, different platforms and and the age factor because I did not want my book to be outdated, right. and I didn't want you know some new platform to come out and then my book doesn't address it. Yes. So, um, I understand your question and I'm happy to answer it. I just don't want to, I don't want to um, misdirect people. Sure. There are, there are other books that do a better job of all those kinds of things you're asking. Now, to answer your question, I would say this. Um, most social media platforms, legal age is 13. If you allow a child on social media prior to that age, you are breaking the law. And mm. if you say to me, yeah, but they were demanding and they were complaining and everybody else has it. Well, what are you going to do when they're 16, 17, 18 and they're still whining, complaining and demanding and everybody else has it? You are setting a pattern, allowing your child to be the authority. And I, I get I get it, you guys. I get that you're tired, you're fatigued, you're addicted to your own device, which is why you have a hard time saying no to your kid. 
Whoa. Now, I don't want, I have a smile on my face. I don't want that to come across harsh. Um, <laughs> I understand. You know, but let's be honest. A lot of moms and dads admit to me that they're on their devices a lot, and that's why their kids resent the fact that they're supposed to get off of theirs. So um, we need to be, I'll start with that 13, you know, age. Now, I would not let anybody on social media just because they turn 13. There has to be character development. There has to be a reason, in my opinion, what's your reason? And parents will say, well, they have photo albums from their grandparents. Well, no. They can look over your shoulder when you're on your Facebook account to see pictures of cousins and, and you know, grandparents. They don't need their own account to look at a family's photo album. And I think that's where we stand our ground and say you don't need it. Therefore, you don't get it because I'd rather have it be a need and a want. When does a child need a phone? When they need a phone. In other words, if your child babysits and she goes to homes without landlines, she needs a phone with her. Now, she doesn't necessarily need her own phone. Maybe there's a sibling phone. Maybe you buy one phone shared between your three kids and they sign it out and your daughter gets it the night she babysits and your your son gets it the night of the track meet because he wants to be able to quickly text you to say that he's ready to be picked up. Same thing like at the dinner table, we get to leave our phones on if there's a reason to do so. If you know, if you might be called by your boss to make an emergency business trip to sub for somebody, you get to have your phone on at the dinner table. Your kid gets to have his phone on at the dinner table. If somebody in the project he's working on in English class needs to get a hold of him. Other than that, phones are in a whole nother room. So the need versus want question is what I would love us to teach our kids. Um, little children, there's a lot of evidence that suggests they should not be on technology at all prior to age two, which is why I'm very concerned when I see kids with daddy's old phone playing games. It's not good for their eye muscle development. It's not good for a lot of reasons. There's evidence suggesting that they're not learn, they're not retaining what they're learning. So even if your young children, four and five year old kids are learning the ABCs on an app, on a mini iPad, and they're enjoying it. That's great. It's a, it serves as a distraction so you can get dinner prepared. But guess what? They're not retaining the knowledge because it's human contact that makes that learning memorable to those kids. And so unless you sit with them while they're doing that game on their phone or your phone or your mini iPad, they're not going to retain the knowledge. So um, that, that would be a, a kind of a quick answer. There's certainly better uses of technology than others. Here's another thing, Amber. Let me say this. Technology used together is better than technology used alone. Mm. So if you're going to plan a summer vacation and you and you want your kids to invest with that, sit over the laptop with your kids and plan, you know, which resort to stay at or which field trip to take. Um, if you want to do we together, if you want to play, you know, games together, your son and you are competing. That's better than your son in a dark room by himself. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but um, what do you think about, you know, kids having TVs and video games in their rooms? You know? <laughs> in their rooms? Yeah, yeah. What do you think I'm going to say, Amber? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but yeah. and, and, and so, again, it's, it's hard for me to um, judge those parents because I'm not at that age. I don't have the kids just begging for me to do that. Right. Yet. So this is why I want to bring this up. Um, <laughs> I, I want to be able to provide the moms out there that are in this stage and really battling this. And, um, and also for the, the moms that are at my level before they approach this, that they kind of know ahead of time. Um, so yeah. I feel like this could be obvious, but I will, I would like for you to explain though, why it's so important to not have it in their bedrooms. Sure. Oh, I love your heart. No. And I, again, I really have compassion for the moms and the dads, the pushback from today's kids um, they argue, they complain, they whine, they're never satisfied. And so we give in and we give up. And I get that because we're tired and we're we're overwhelmed and we're wondering, you know, what's best? What's the harm? Well, 
I believe that a family unit is one of God's greatest blessings, and we must know our children, and we must know our spouses, right? And to to hang together. It really concerns me when I drive by the road with the big houses where every kid and every adult's in a different room. You know, dad's in the man cave and mom's looking at Pinterest with the best recipe and the kids are in their own rooms doing their own things and we're not living together in the living room. And um, that's one of Kirk Cameron's passion is that the family would be together and stay together and live together. So I would rather again have us watch a safe television show together as a family and talk about it. You know, which which character in that show was the one that you would have befriended if you were in the show? Um, what did you think of the dad's attitude toward his oldest son? And have a conversation so that they're using these media opportunities um, in positive ways. And I'm not saying everything is a lesson all the time. Certainly, there's some good stuff you can just laugh at and have a good time with. But you you don't know. Kids today have a workaround to get you know the, the cheat factor to get things on their devices. You don't know they're going to get. If your TVs are internet, um, you know, available. They will have a way to get to websites you don't want them to get to. You think it's in their show, in their room, just for TV. It really isn't. It's a portal to the world. And there's um, video and songs and opportunities you're going to have there that you don't want them to have at 2 in the morning when they can't sleep. Um, so it, it really is protective. It's a boundary issue. It's just wise. I would strongly encourage us to have uh, devices in the rooms that we're in. Now, if they're doing homework on a device, if they have textbooks on their screens and things like that, and they need to be in a quiet space like a bedroom, I understand that. They're allowed in their bedroom to work on their biology assignment for, you know, 45 minutes. I would recommend that you walk by and that their bedroom door is open and that you make sure at that 45-minute limit that you stop by and get that device back because – it's important. They're your kids. And if we don't, if we don't control this, there's the addiction is going to take roots and it will affect them in, in some really deep ways. Yeah. You know, when you were just talking about the big homes and people are separate, um, that's one of the reasons why I decided to be a travel agent, because not that everybody needs to go on expensive vacations, but even encouraging people to go camping or doing stuff mm -hmm. where you can kind of unplug and just make family memories versus everybody just living all their lives independently, which I think is happening, you know, so much these days and that people aren't really doing things together. And so, um, so I do have a heart for that. Um, I, I do, we do struggle with that at times. Uh, it's not, it's probably not, um, as challenging as what it will be. And so I'm thankful <laughs> for that, but then I'm kind of like really nervous. And so, um, um, you know, what, Amber, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, let me interject yeah. that what I love about what you're saying is it really benefits children if parents make decisions before they need to make them. Mm -hmm. So for us to decide what, what is our family value? What is, what is the culture that we want to raise our kids in, a, a, you know, a, agreeable or argumentative, um, compassionate or, you know, what, what do we value? What, what's our family motto, if you will? And, and how are we going to parent strategically and intentionally so that those things happen? And if we can decide in advance, then the no becomes so much easier because mm -hmm. we're ready with our evidence. And, it, and maybe, oh my goodness, Amber, maybe mm -hmm. if we parent intentionally toward a particular value and a structure and a culture we want, maybe our kids won't even demand their own TV. Right. Because they, they won't need it because they're going to love being with the family in the living room playing dominoes with yeah. real dominoes at the table right. and not a program on a, on a computer. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, and you know, something that you wrote, you wrote that teens feel like they should be able to get what they want when they want it because (laughs) of just how our society is, right? We have the Netflix, we have movies on demand and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, I have a perfect example. And my daughter just turned four yesterday. Um, We're driving to preschool. She wants to listen to Zootopia on Spotify because you can get every song. And Mm. it wasn't connecting through my auxiliary, through my car, Mm. I don't know. It was just like hung up. And she was just like, mommy, I said, please. And I'm like, I'm like, Serena, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, and our drive is very short. So I'm like, I may not even play by the time we get there. (laughs) And so, and so what I'm saying is even in that, that seems innocent, right? You get so used to all that stuff. We have Alexa. So we play dance songs and, but we, we all dance together. But what I'm trying to say is here is even a family moment that we like to dance and we turn on the music and dance but they already know right at a young age that they can call this girl's name and she somehow pulls all the music and then plays it through the speakers and um they expect it to come on very quickly and so uh that's something that is just normal for them which then sometimes i'm like oh gosh like that's not even good everybody thinks everything should happen fast including ourselves even as parents with the when you see that little circle on the internet go and you're like why isn't it bringing the website up why (laughs) is it taking five seconds you know um what so how how do we counter this mindset like how are we going to help our kids with this when we ourselves are having issues with this yeah oh seriously yeah we need to uh yeah we need to take a fast every once in a while maybe you know, and, and stay off of some technology, um, maybe limits for ourselves are really wise. Um, what do we even buy and purchase and bring into our home? Um, it isn't easy. Um, again, let your no be no. Um, stop debating. You are the authority. Some of you have to earn it back. You can apologize, ask to be forgiven and say, you know, you're a firstborn. You're a guinea pig. You've always been that. You know that. And we've we've made some mistakes and we've given you too much freedom before you were ready for it. Um, you're not a bad kid. We were all experimenting, but we've decided, we have decided that we will make some changes here. Not you must change, but we will make some changes here and let the kids know that it's the love you have for them that compels you. It's not your anger or your fear. It's not their behavior, but we love you too much to allow this to continue. Your aggression that you have when you game continues as you sit with your brother, it's unhealthy in your dynamic. And therefore, we have decided to remove those games from your devices. And you will earn them back only by the character that you demonstrate. And then only if we decide that you're mature enough to handle it. So, Amber, it's it's the conversation. It's got to mm. be the conversation that we have. I got to tell you something about Alexa. I, I read an article just yesterday that um, parents who have purchased devices like that are concerned that their kids are becoming demanding because they oh. can shop. <laughs> right? Shout. Alexa, yes, you know, yeah. For this show or this TV or whatever. Yeah. And guess what they're doing? They're reprogramming that so that children who are polite when approaching Alexa get a compliment. Oh. It so cracks was, me up. So what do you mean? Like, so uh, Alexa will say something back to them? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Apparently, if your daughter says, please, such and such a song, right? Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Alexa will probably will somehow respond indicating that please was a good word to use. Oh, I'm not sure because I don't own one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I thought it was fascinating that parents <laughs> have become aware that it's another reason their kids are becoming demanding because they can control that little box on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had to stop because we, we've had to tell our seven-year-old like, okay, you can't just turn on Alexa and it's only, it only <laughs> goes, she like so we're, we're in Nashville and the predators are in the Stanley cup playoff. So she, she does like to come down and say, Alexa, what was the score? Because she couldn't stay up late enough to sure, finish the game. Sure. And it is so cute. Um, but, but yeah, we, she can't just play the music going all over the place. And we realize, like, okay, you can't just be in control of that. And what's funny <laughs> is I was even saying Alexa, cause she wasn't like responding or here. I don't know. And then my husband was like, you're kind of talking to Alexa. Not very nice. <laughs> That's hysterical. But that's that's such a great example where, you know, the use of the hockey score, like that's great. Maybe you maybe there's a way to turn it off, you know, for part of the day or, or yeah. whatever. I don't I don't know. I don't pretend to understand the complexity of that. I just think it is interesting to pay attention to how our kids are behaving and if technology is a source of their negativity, whatever that might be then we take the technology away and or reparent our children and teach them. And, and again, our modeling, right. That, that you don't yell at Alexa. I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. So. <laughs> or I had like a tone with her or something I'm like, Alexa, exactly. play da da da. One of the things that caught my eye is in, in the book is when you write about um, dissatis- dissatisfaction creeps in because teens have, so many good options that are constantly available to them. Um, mm-hmm. How 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 do you go about trying to you know help with that dissatisfaction and you know balancing that out? Wow, yeah, it's great. Isn't that great? that's a great question? Thank you. Is that does concern me? I think a lot of our teens today are never satisfied. They're always second guessing themselves, wondering if there was a better choice, something else that would have made them happier. So you know what? The first thing that comes to mind, Amber, is that we need to be available to our kids and we need to really know them so that we can sense when they are being discouraged and dissatisfied over something legitimate and the times when they're dissatisfied over something that's so minor that they should have been able to forget it by now. So are we present to their to them emotionally and physically and intellectually and spiritually? Are we aware? Do we do we know their heart well enough to know when it's off a little bit? And are we pr- physically present to the conversation? I think those things are just huge. And I and I say that because I I know that we're busy and we're distracted just like they are. And um, to help them with decision making, there a lot of the kids today are choosing to stay happy. They believe because of technology, they can be happy all the time. So that's how they make decisions. What will make me happy? What will keep me happy? That's actually how they might approach God. Like he's the ATM machine. You know, give me what I want now and keep me happy. So we got to talk against that to our kids. And we've got to teach them how we make decisions for, you know, healthy, unhealthy, um, accurate, inaccurate, complete, incomplete, biased, not biased. For us, against us, other-centered, self-centered. How do we make decisions? And if we believe that we've gone through an appropriate decision-making um, rubric, if you will, and a cause-effect kind of thinking, and we've landed on you know choice B, then, then let's live with that. And let's watch to see if there are good ramifications of that. Let's teach kids cause-effect reasoning. All those kinds of things that we can start when, when our kids are four and seven um, will really matter when they're, when they're older. Mm. So it, it's, you know, it's hard work, my friend. It, it, yeah. it is a conversation. It's that we honor and value them and we want to help them. And what kids tell me, teenagers tell me, Dr. Kathy, they tell me and they yell, I wish they would teach me. Mm. So to all of you who are listening, yeah. thanks for trusting us. And I just want to say it doesn't, kids don't learn new character 
by being told to have it. It needs to be modeled before them and explained. And maybe there's a contrast between satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Maybe there's a contrast we build between contentment and perfectionism, which cannot reside in the same heart. And we, and we help them understand that and we walk with them. Yeah. You, you said to spend time with them. And, um, I I love this part where you write deep, deep down teens long for connection with you. Um, can you help with us? Can you help us with what can we be doing to connect with them? Especially if they seem resistant, you know, I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh, my teenager's so grumpy or she just wants to hang out with her friends and she wants nothing to do with me. Um, so if they really do need our connection and want our connection, um, but on the, but maybe they don't even know that they want that, right? And so then they're yeah, resisting yeah. it. So so how, as parents, can we do this without annoying them to the point where they're like, ah, <laughs> uh, you know? And so I feel like this is what a lot of moms and parents are feeling with teenagers. But then if they really are longing for us, then it's like, okay, how do we, how do, we do this then? Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, two things that I think, um, the first two things that come to my mind are to remember that Children, teenagers will always talk more when they're doing something with you rather than if they're just sitting with you. And that's especially true of boys. They will talk more. They'll be more vulnerable, more transparent. They'll go to a deeper place um, when they're busy with you rather than when they're just sitting with you. So walk the aisles of the store, run errands together, uh, throw throw a ball in the backyard, um, but do something, a jigsaw puzzle again, or, you know, fixing a... Um, you know, a, a dripping faucet, getting the boys busy with you and, and with their dads would be fabulous. Kids also like talking in the dark. They tell me all the time that they talk in the dark well because they don't like looking into our faces when they know they're going to disappoint us. Mm, That's wow. also why they like talking in the car because they can't make eye contact with you. And so the car is ought to be digital free. Turn off the radio unless it's good, you know, podcast, talk radio. Um I would prefer that we get pods out of our ears and that unless it's a long trip for vacation purposes, if you're just running errands, um, the car ought to be silent because that's a captured time when you can talk and go deep, possibly. Kids tell me they like the car, they like the dark. So those are the things I would recommend in the in the car, in the dark, and then while you're busy, talk. And then the other thing I would say for connection is to serve together. Um, this generation of young people, they do want to improve the world. They've seen it broken on the World Wide Web. They're very aware of danger and discord and disruption and um, all the dangerous Ds. They've seen it on the web. They've seen the crawl across the screen when you're in a restaurant having a good dinner. Um, they're aware through text blasts and email messages and, and mom and dad's conversations that the world is a dangerous place. This is why, by the way, they're questioning whether God is good. And of course he is. Mm. And yet they question that because they're aware of, of the danger and the discord in the world. So they want to change it. They want to improve it. So serve together as a family, collect money and go buy diapers for the Pregnancy Resource Center. As a family, go through your home and find all the shoes you no longer wear and take them to the homeless shelter and clean them up first and then talk on the way home. You know, how did that feel? And, and what do you want to do next Saturday? When we serve together, we know each other well and we will have conversations and kids will discover why they were created to be difference makers and to leave the world a better place. And when you have that purpose, it changes you. So serving together, I think, is a huge way to connect. And don't wait for your kids to ask. They won't ask necessarily. They don't know what they don't know. Right, so, yeah. You know, be the parent and decide. Now, you can invite them to help you, help you decide what to do on the third Saturday of every month. They can choose with you, you know, the women's shelter, the homeless shelter. Maybe they want to go into the Sunday school rooms and disinfect all the toys one Saturday. 
oh my goodness, every children's ministry director in America would love that. Right, yeah. Um, you know, and no kid is going to ask to do it. But boy, to do it together and then to talk while you're doing it. Hey, mom, do you remember when I owned this toy and I used to play with it all the time? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, you know, in our church, um, we all volunteer once a month, at least in the smaller kids, because there's so many kids. And mm. so there needs to be volunteers. And my um, my girls, before they go into their class, <clears throat> they love, so we're in, the, we're in the babies, and they just love to go in there. And I didn't even realize how much that impacted my now seven-year-old. She just turned seven a month ago, that she's always like, oh, when are we watching the babies? Like, when are we doing that? You know? And she goes in with us, and then she goes off to her um, Sunday school class. So she's in with, the, was, uh, with us about 20 minutes. And so <laughs> she looks forward to that. So I know what you're saying, because I can see that now, which... <clears throat> I didn't even think that would impact her. I would just think that she's just <laughs> hanging out with us and, you know, and, and that she may even be like, I don't want to do this, but she, I think she actually likes to do it and is always wondering like, when is the next time that we're watching the babies? And we have her do the check off. Like when people come in, she checks off their name cause she can read. Uh, and so she it, just thinks that's great so, cause she gets a clipboard. Yeah. So she's like, yeah. okay, what's your name? Yeah. Let me check you off. <laughs> so that's great. yeah. That's great. So I feel like, what you're saying, even with the disinfecting toys, that it doesn't have to be this huge, like thing, right? It's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's just doing something that's outside of yourself. And you know, you talk about thankfulness, and do you feel like that's um, mm -hmm. a way that that cultivates thankfulness with teens? Is, is um, you know, giving of our time and um, maybe them going on mission trips and stuff like that? It, what What is your thoughts with like really Absolutely. helping teens? Yeah, anytime that we can get our eyes off of ourselves and discover that we were created for more than us, but there there are people out there that need who we are and what we have and our skill set and our passion. Um, and when we when we get our eyes off of ourselves, we realize that we actually have more than we probably thought we had, and we can cultivate true gratitude, not circumstantial thankfulness. And that's what kids need today. The antidote to entitlement, the antidote to the complaining, arguing behavior would be, you know, true joy and, and true gratitude. And again, I would say to all of myself, I'm including myself here, is do I have that? And do I model that in the relationships that I have? Um, as a believer, there's no excuse for me to not have a present joy and a present gratitude that should show up. And do the kids that I interact with know that? And do they want to have that within their own life? Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. Um, Dr. Kathy, we're almost at the end of the show. And so I wanted to ask you, what should we be doing as moms of little kids? So so moms like me that have preschoolers, elementary age before they're hitting the teens, um, how can we prepare so that it is not as hard? And I know that you're saying that it is good to prepare so then your no is, is easier to say. Uh, but what else? You know, you were talking about like, trying to not give the kids before two devices and then the, the kids learning ABCs on the device, they're, they're not retaining it as much. What else comes to your mind that you want to tell us so that we have in our mind to really start working on and just being more aware of what we're doing could really be setting them up both positive or negatively when they're teenagers. <laughs> Amber, that's so good. And you, you're going to laugh probably at my answer. It's okay. so old-fashioned. So old you know what we need to do? We need to, play with our, we need to play with our kids. Okay. We need to read to our kids. And we need to explore with our kids. Kids have told me, when I wrote my book and I interviewed and I watched, children would say to me, and this just brings tears to my eyes, children said, uh, Dr. Kathy, I wish my mommy would play with me rather than watch me play. Mm. And I heard from middle schoolers and high schoolers and little kids 
Her camera is always in her hand. I wish you would play with me rather than watch me play. So I want to encourage all of you moms to get on the floor and play with your kids. Play with the train set, the trucks, the, the dolls, the coloring. Color when they color. Play with your children because that is when ideas, thoughts, and feelings merge when we play and relationships become deeper when we play. And play will be a foundation. I look back on my life. Oh, my goodness. Playing croquet in the backyard with my cousins. Playing with grandma and grandpa. Playing is huge. And there is so much research that suggests the children who are not doing small motor and large motor play are, um, there's a deficit there academically and emotionally. It's really dangerous. So play together, um, read, always read to your children um, and explore together everything from the museums to the concerts, to the digging in the dirt after a rainstorm and let them get dirty. Um, when you are present with your children in those old fashioned ways, You'll develop the kind of relationship where they will want to stay with you and they will want to continue the habits and the traditions. If every third Saturday is a service day when they're seven, they won't rebel when they're 14. They will understand to keep the third Saturday of every month available to their family and they will say no to their peer group and it won't be an issue. So can you set patterns and traditions now? That would be that would require the the husband and wife, mom and dad, collaborating and making some decisions now about what you value. To the single moms and dads, man, um, you can do it too. Your the fatigue level is deeper. I really have compassion for you, but you can do it too. Um, yeah, you know, I was going to ask you this because I do feel like, and I want to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, the generation before us, the baby boomers, I feel like they did not play with the kids as much, right? So just let's let's just think of leave it to beaver for a minute. Okay. You you got like the um the mom's making the dinner and it comes right out at five and the dad comes home and he traditional like he works and the kids are doing their own thing. And then I feel like um we this generation has been accused of like really just like a, a child center life, right? Instead of it being the parents and then the kids. So I feel like there's so many messages that you're like, okay, do we like, we're supposed to be playing with them or, or, you know, you have our, our generation of the parents saying, we didn't do this with you. You you guys are like helicopter parents. And then you're like, mm -hmm. you're, you're making it all about the kids. And then they're becoming selfish because everything is so geared towards them. Um, mm -hmm. So, so then you're just kind of like, okay, so I just feel like you have all this conflicting stuff. And now from your perspective, I feel like you're talking about a different thing than what, what they're suggesting. So I'm trying to figure out what, and I'm asking this question because I'm thinking other moms are be thinking, okay, so what are we supposed to do? So what is your thoughts about that in regards to making the child the center, but then also developing, developing them properly? Right. Yeah. They are not the center. Um, the, the danger in our culture is that we all think we're the center of the universe. And that, that's a lie. That's certainly not a Christian worldview perspective. You know, God is the center of it all, and, and rightfully so. And I would pray that we would keep him on his rightful throne. So um, I am not suggesting that the kids direct the play or demand from us and we are their um, slaves. Absolutely not. Um, but we need to lead and we need to do what we know is best. Um, and we need to you know, pattern their day in ways that are going to be healthy, where they'll rest, where they'll play, where they'll have independent time and, and group time, if you will. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of the helicoptering. Um, we've got to give our kids an opportunity to grow up. The reason a lot of parents helicopter is that they're they're filled with fear and they've never parented their children so that their kids can be independent. You know, as you play with your kids, you're going to teach them a lot. 
Uh, you're going to develop character. You know, where did we learn to not cheat when we played cards with our grandfathers? Mm, if, yeah. you, if, if you play mm. on a device, you can learn to cheat quite easily. So then why wouldn't you when you're with your grandfather? So, you know, and again, it's it's an old fashioned perspective. I think it's very healthy. There's research to support it. So um, do we know who we are and do we stand in right relationship with our father, God? I'll just say that. And then do we, um, you know, do we parent so that they so that they know that I'm, I'm probably rambling a bit. No, I, you're I, fine. Yeah, I, no, I, you're good. I, love, I love your heart. Um, it's never too late. Let me just say we can we can back up, we can start over, and we can redevelop um, or develop for the first time different patterns. You know, we can we don't have to. I mean, I want us to have a clean house and I want us to cook well and all that. But really, I want us to play with our kids. Um, and I want us to spend, spend time with them. Why did you have them? Right. Good yeah. Things, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that is a challenge for moms, right? Like they're trying to keep the house clean and, and there's times where, you know, I'll realize like, yeah, the laundry's not put away because I was doing something with the girls, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, trying to balance all of the, all of that and then to not just keep pushing them off because eventually they're going to be grown up and then they'll be gone. Thank you, Dr. Kathy. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.